Now it's True Wealth presented by Little John Financial Services. Here is David Littlejohn with True Wealth on News Radio 1240 KQEN. All right, gang. Hey, welcome to the True Wealth Show. I'm your host, Dave Littlejohn. On this, the greatest Tuesday you've had all week. We are stoked to be here, where today we will be featuring the help in studio that I brought, including Matt Dixon and your favorite attorney, Derek Simmons. Right. And um, as we, uh, as Derek insists, the first thing we are supposed to do is talk about uh, Kansas basketball. I'm not. I'm not sure that that's actually the first thing we should do, in particular because it's on a three-game losing streak. Yeah. Ooh. Well, I I can't even I can't tell you anything about Carolina basketball right now, other than the fact that uh, I get updates on my phone on occasion. They've won more than they've lost, but they haven't won them all. Okay. So, okay. so I know that. <laughs> Where that lands them in the system, I don't know. Could probably do a whole show of I don't know enough about it, but it makes me whine a little bit about the way the NCAA is handling all things college athletics. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that's a very true wealth show at all. That, that would it's be a true difference. wealth for the athletes. How about yeah, that? Yeah, <laughs> it is. This whole name, image, likeness thing yeah. is really going to take on a life of its own. And I, I'm. I have some opinions as to where it's going to take college athletics. It'll not immediately take it there, but and and I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I still think that it's going to it's going to favor the programs that have the the biggest marketing budgets. So here's what we do. We have the True Wealth show, we knock back a few and then we start talking sports. And see if we can still get the station to carry us. <laughs> I, I feel like we might have a good shot at it. I think our I think our listening audience are like, well, I kind of like True Wealth and sports. It seems like there's got it's got legs. So maybe, maybe the problem is I don't know that much about the I don't know that much about the what's happening in sports. Right? I know about the the types of sports that are out there, and the you know, but I don't. I don't know the current players. I'm not that up on trivia. I am not that interesting as a sports guy. Derek, you're a big basketball person. Are I you, am. Are you a big NFL well, football Well, as guy? it happens, I went to school about 45 miles from Arrowhead Stadium where the Chiefs play. Okay. So I do have you know some passing Are you a Chiefs fan? I am. Okay. So you're pulling for him to win the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Okay. Over and over. Nice. <laughs> Five consecutive AFC championship games. And so have far, you, have you been to a couple of games at Arrowhead? I have been to I've been to a couple of games in Arrowhead, but that was back when Joe Montana was playing for the Chiefs. Oh wow, that, that was, was a while, while back, yeah. no doubt. So that was sad. Can they pull it off with Mahomes having the ankle sprain? Yes. All right. Y- you heard it here, like fiftieth yep. or something, but you heard it here. Mm-hmm. All right. All right. Well, it'll be interesting. So here's, uh, I, and also. I think if you're buying a big screen TV, you buy it right after the Super Bowl. Right? That would be correct. Yes, <laughs> everybody brings you them get in the for discount. Well, I've always thought that was sort of a silly theory, but maybe this is appropriate uh, as a true wealth perspective. Let's have an interesting conversation about this for a moment, right? About Patrick Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, if you're watching, then it's gonna. It, I suppose it will be relevant. It's a weird kind of dovetail into it. Uh, Here's my question to you guys. When, where, how do you draw the line between when it's appropriate to actualize on gratification versus defer gratification? Ooh. Right? And I mean, it's sort of in the when do you buy the Briggs screen TV or should you? And how, mm. how does one make those decisions? 
Well, I, I think it has to do with, first of all, are you stable? That's the first question always. Are you stable? Can you handle what you've got? Yeah, this is the old Susie Orman question. Can you afford it? Yes. Right? And afford is a subjective term, and yet there are some things I think you're angling toward there. Yeah. Well, but then at, at some point you get to the spot where I can afford it. Now the question is, do I would I rather delay gratification, invest this money, have it grow, have it come back to me later, or do I spend this money now on what we might call a quality of life expense. Sure. And I'm going to spill the beans to our listeners here. Here's the crazy thing. There's not always a right or wrong answer to this question. But the challenge, or I think the tricky part is, when it's wrong, it's definitely wrong. Yeah, you know right. it. Like right? if your credit card has yeah. to carry that bill, yeah. that's the it's, wrong it's decision. It's really obvious when it's wrong because you can't afford it. Wait, right? all your savings is gone? Like You couldn't afford it. Uh-huh. And, and so what are some things that are, this is, like if you were going to have a, a basic litmus test, what are some things that should be in place that you just know if they're not in place, the answer is no? Okay, let's start with you have to your income has to exceed your monthly expenses. Oh, it's the on number one rule of financial success, right? Spend less than you make. Yes, you have to have already committed to spend less than you make. Yes. That's one. Now, I love the way you phrase that, by the way. Why did you phrase that the way you did that you have to to be committed to it? Well, actually, um what I was talking about was committed expenses. So for example, I have no choice. I must pay the mortgage every month. Mm -hmm. I have no choice. I must buy food. I must buy gasoline. If I have a car payment, I have to pay the car payment. These are things that I have already committed for. So I have to look in the future and say, does my, in, my expected income or even the money in my pocket exceed the amounts I'm going to have to spend this month? If it doesn't, I am absolutely not buying anything. That's a hard no. Yeah. yeah. So, and, and maybe you said j just more directly, you have to be able to afford the obligations you've already got. Yes. That's you can't take on another obligation that you, if you can't afford the ones you already have. And, and this is really interesting because we've had this, this dance on this program before about how does one separate the wants and the needs? And there's, I'll tell you right now that if you want to understand the difference between wants and needs, find something else that you want also, and then start assessing what you can cut. Okay, that's that that you real quickly get to it because the the wants are the things that oftentimes you can cut and you're still going to make it. The needs are the things that you really can't cut them. Right, so and then, that's the difference. Yeah. So then that's the next the next question is. If I if I already exceed or if I even if I don't, I might say, are there any things that I've committed to that I can cancel the commitment to? For example, that Netflix subscription that I've had for five or six years and they raise it and I just keep paying it. And the question is, if I were to do away with that, does that free up enough cash that I could then do this other thing that I want to do? Right. So it's an it's a, a commitment I can eliminate. Yeah. It, so as and I'm I'm choosing it's interesting language. I love this. Right. This is fun, too, because we have an attorney. Oh, we could talk about the strength of language. Right. Bom, bom, bom. <laughs> but the idea of uh, obligations, commitments or discretionary 
things that we do. And we're, I know I'm, I'm being semantic, and yet I think it matters. Like Netflix, to me, is an obvious discretionary. Yeah. Okay? What's less obvious, and now we can we could really get into the nuances, is your internet subscription a want or a need? It depends. What do if you have? Yeah. Do you have yeah. access to it somewhere else? Right. That's what I mean. When we get into nuance, because there's this really weird category. This is, by the way, if I was ever going to, and I respect this guy tremendously. Every now and then, I just talk about the nuances that Dave Ramsey can't talk about. Okay. And he can't talk about it because Dave Ramsey's the get out of debt guy. So it's just you're always zero debt, zero debt, zero debt. And you, you, we can tolerate a mortgage because you probably already had it, first of all. And also because it's an asset and you're going to have to live somewhere anyway. So it's better if you're building equity. And it's it, in theory, it's typically an appreciating asset as long as you're taking care of it. We're in a normal uh, long-term housing market. Right. So like those are all reasons that you can kind of rationalize why the mortgage is okay. Plus, let's be honest, houses are darn expensive and it's just they're they're very unreachable otherwise. So so we kind of make this accommodation, but otherwise get out of debt. Well, Dave Ramsey runs into the issue of like how do you manage the nuance on a use asset? Okay. And the simple thing is if you don't need it, you do not have it. You don't buy it, you don't promise to pay for it. You just quit. Right. Now, where we run into the common problem and use asset, your vehicle. Okay. This is really, there are some, well, it depends kind of details, right? What kind of job? Where do you work? Where yeah, where do you live? What other obligations does it support? Uh-huh. Other people going to work? Well, and so I, I, I think about there are some simple things too, like is an alternative available? Right. Okay. And is the alternative realistic? I, I mean, here are these people that say things like, well, you could bike to work. And I go, okay, if you're biking to work in the kind of seasonal weather that we get here in Oregon, and you when you arrive at work, you need to be presentable in a certain professional format and so forth. And, you know, like there are these other elements at play. Then you find yourself saying at some point it's really impractical to bike versus take a car but how much car, right? Do you right. need the brand new super fancy or do you need just the stable and reliable even though it maybe has less sex appeal? Right. Okay. Both are depreciating assets typically. That's my, that's my real issue with cars is they're, they're so hard because you're, you're throwing money in a boat that's sinking. But it's a boat that's sinking that's still getting you where you need to go and enables you to be more productive and earn more money. Then I'm like, well, you know, it enables or activates this other thing. So it's complicated. But back to this whole discussion of do you buy the flat screen TV? Okay, so now I have a shoot I have I've figured out that I can definitely make my obligations going next month. And then I have choices about what to do with my money. But that I should tell you about in a couple of minutes. Yeah, we'll do this. We're, we we got to grab a break. It's first segment, right? That you look at the clock and you're like, "Are you serious?" No, Derek, I want to know. Can can we buy the TV? I will tell you when we come back. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn. Matt Dixon. And Derek Simmons. You're listening to The True Wealth on News Radio 929 FM and 1240 KQEN. 
Hey gang, welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where, reminder, if you are just now joining us, you can get caught up because we're asking this really critical question. Can you afford the big screen TV? Because, you know, big game's coming up. And which you, I, we can't say that name of that on the radio. We probably can, but I'm not going to say it. <laughs> and so anyway, um, but if you want to get caught up, grab our podcast, right? So you can go to our webpage at littlejohnfs.com. It's currently under the Educate tab. Uh, you're going to see some updates and upgrades soon. I don't, they're, they're not there this second, though. So that's where you're going to go. Pretty soon you're going to be able to hit up the Knowledge Center. Yeah. So anyway, speaking of knowledge, since we got Matt and Derek, our, our favorite attorney in uh, in studio today, Derek, can we buy the big screen TV? Are you ready? It's a complicated yes. answer. Yes, I'm ready. Yes, you can. Okay, yes, you can. What should if, you buy it? What if you're not <laughs> should you? What if you're not contributing to a retirement account? Should you be you buying sh- a TV? The question was, can you? And the answer is yes. Oh. But Dave is correct. The next question is, should you? Mm. Because you have to consider the opportunity cost. Ah, wow. You, you snuck that one in if there. If you that was buy good. the television, you no longer have that what was free money available to spend on other things that you may want or need in the future. So for example, a retirement plan is an excellent, uh, an excellent thought. This we is like money, them. This is money you're putting aside because you have no faith that social security will be there when you're ready for it. Yeah. Or maybe that's Or maybe me. it's just not <laughs> enough for you. Well, <laughs> remember when you have a printing press, I love this one, by the way, social, guess what? Social security will be there. The question is, what will mean anything? Mm-hmm. Why will it be there? Because we have a printing press, right? They could just, we've, we've already established, but we can now invent money. So if we can invent money, we can invent money for Social Security. The question is, will the money have any value? There's your real concern is, oh, yeah, we got Social Security. Well, what about cost of living? No, we'll just change the way we, we measure it so that your cost of living won't impact it and your Social Security will end up worthless. Or... Get this one. This will drive people batty, too. We'll just change the tax code so that everybody gets paid Social Security. But if you make too much money, we'll just tax it all right back away and you won't get to keep it. So there are lots of ways to solve it. Dave, you have just bummed out my entire, you know, afternoon. Yeah, but, but don't worry. The Social Security will be there. You just might still get screwed. One, we'll just inflation adjust <laughs> it and keep printing money. One might make the same argument about retirement plans. Although, in theory, if I put money in the retirement plans... As inflation makes it worth less, it's also growing, where right. Social Security is not. Yeah, that's the thing. Is Social Security, the government can protect itself by changing the way it assumes actuarial elements inside of it and by changing the way we pay for it, by changing the way we tax it. So I'm more concerned about the rug being pulled out from under you than having Social Security pulled out from under you. And speaking of pulling the rug out from under you, that's, that's another thing that we didn't actually talk about. What about that six months worth of emergency savings? Yeah, so mm. I'm I'm glad you bringing this back to you know we're we're using the theme really simply. Can you buy a big screen TV to watch the Super Bowl? There I said it. Whatever, but the and and the answer is like can sure should you? Different question because to me there are all these financial considerations underneath it. We talked about the very first one right. Have you met your monthly, can you meet your monthly obligations? Right, yeah. Are you spending less than you are earning? That's number one. Those are today's obligations. Right. So then you want short-term, intermediate-term, however you want to look at it, obligations that are contingent. 
you don't know if your car is going to break down. Right. So then what happens is you start to talk about, remember, in the investment landscape, because ultimately this is an investment show. Right. Ultimately, what? true wealth. We're going to talk about money in lots of categories. And Jayhawks. And Jayhawks, and too, because I mean, to. who yeah. wouldn't invest in the Jayhawks? Right. But ultimately, the think of it this way. Why would people so often say, hey, you need to build up some savings before you start spending in, in other discretionary categories? And there's really a handful of reasons. OK, I thought we were just going to say life happens and call it good. No. Well, I think that's the <laughs> that's like the holding company of all of the reasons. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> right. Life happens and you could get hosed. Um, life does happen. And so contingency planning is really important. One of the reasons investment guys always pound on this is because investing by its nature can have short term volatility. Right. Economies all over the place. The markets, they go up, they go down. But over years and decades, they tend to go up. So. If you have some savings in place, you're not forced to sell investments at a lousy time. That's a big reason for it. It's right? a buffer. It's you don't have to invade your 401k plan or do some really financially harmful decision because you have no other place to pull from. That's why we say build up savings, because when life happens, you don't want to double down on life happening and making it worse by compounding the decision by making it by taking it from somewhere that's going to hurt you. Okay? So, you build up a buffer, a contingency fund. Now, the the problem is like a lot of people they'll they'll go like, "Well, I can use my credit card." And here's the thing, you can. But we're back to that can versus should thing, right? You can buy the TV, you can just put yourself on the financial bubble or upside down and harm yourself. Well, you, you know, the reality is you can shoot yourself in the foot or hurt yourself with a power tool, right? Operator error is really dangerous, and money can be like that. And so, operator error would definitely be incurring a, an obligation for a television that's going to affect you for the next 36 months and cost you more than it would be if you were paying cash. That is definitely uh, self-induced trauma. Right. Or... Let's say you pay cash for the TV, but then your car, you know, you blow a transmission or something and you put that on the credit card. Is it really any different? Nope. Right? Not really. It's just, well, I have a paid for TV and now I have a car, no tar, car transmission that's not paid for. Yeah, okay? you, you can't squish debt and move it somewhere else and make it happier. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. And and here's the other thing. Um, people ask me about this all the time. Here's another one. He's like, hey, well, what if I was to consolidate my debt and like do a home equity loan and low at a lower interest rate? Mm -hmm. And I would say that's better, except if it means that you now have credit card access and you just rack up more debt, all you did was compound the problem, right? Yep. You didn't change the behavior. So all you did was treat the symptom instead of the cause. And now you're making it worse. Okay. And that's why Dave Ramsey can't have nuance in his show, right? Like, this is why we can't have nice things, people, because we're not listening. <laughs> yeah, the easy version, the, the very easy, simple version that I that most people can understand is don't spend more than you make. And if you are spending more than you make, cut it the heck out. Yeah. That that is that is the easy and that's that's Dave Ramsey's primary message, which is a good one. Yeah, and, and guess what? It's foolproof, right? If you cut up your credit cards, spend less than you make, and save until you have more money than you can spend, you won't screw it up. 
right? It it that's how that works. I just hate it because it's so basic, right? Well, like I love my credit card points. I've never once paid interest on a credit card. They just make me money. But that that is a more sophisticated approach to dealing with it. Mm-hmm. You have to be sure that you can pay the credit card off before you decide to use it that right. way. Yeah. And, and it, what it, what it comes down to, Matt, is discipline. Right? Yeah, and people just don't have right? it. And that's why I say it's operator error. It is. It really is. Right? I mean, and, and we can use all number of examples, right? Like, the spoon didn't make you fat. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. man, that's that's hurting someone's yeah, soul right the now. The spoon <laughs> didn't do it, right? I'm just telling you, the credit card isn't the problem. Exactly. But if we just say, because a lot of people, they, they can't hear that. It's not going to work, right? But if you just say, well, you know what? The credit card is a problem. Just get rid of it. Yeah. Right? Hey, you know, you're, you're playing with snakes right now. They're going to bite you eventually. It's like, okay, get rid of the credit cards. If that's what works for you, I'm more interested in it working than getting semantic with you. But discipline, I will say, discipline is something that it is possible to develop. That's true, too. Absolutely. And I I am always happy when I see this happen to people that that want to accomplish something and they impose discipline, and then they grab control, and then they're able to drive the boat instead of letting the boat drive them. Right. And and the thing is, discipline, it's trainable. Okay, that's mm-hmm. the thing. I, I I give people a lot of grace for financial mistakes. I've certainly made plenty of them. The question is, do you learn from them? Okay, if you keep repeating the same mistake, that's insanity. Okay, uh, if you've made mistakes but you recognize that now and you're changing your behavior, that's progress. Okay, so I'm okay with that. Make progress. What you can't do is try to rationalize a bad decision as a not bad decision. Okay, that's just again, rationalizing something, you know better, you're just going to do it anyway. Yeah. The the answer that drives me bananas is I had to because, well, usually that's because of something else you should have known you were thinking about and didn't think about. Right. And and this is, now there's some really interesting studies about this too. We're not going to follow way down this path though. Okay. But the interesting studies show or prove out that financially successful people have the capacity to look for the additional things that will occur in the future. They see more than the immediate decision. So it's not, I just need to get lunch right now. It's not only this lunch, but it's dinner, and it's dinner a month from now or a year from now, right? So they have these longer-term financial uh, mindsets, if you will, and they're capable of understanding the impact of deferring gratification. So that, and and they've seen interesting tests with like really young kids. Like you get a group of four-year-olds, Okay, four-year-olds are still kind of on the bubble of discernment, right? And and you say, tell you what, here's a marshmallow in front of you, but if you don't eat it, I'll be back in five minutes and I'll give you two marshmallows. And the, then you watch their behavior. Fun, yeah, they're really cute, but it's interesting because uh, you follow them later, and y- you know we may often discover that the kids that have learned how to defer gratification a little bit. They they can often it it demonstrates in other categories of their life too that they have better outcomes, right? Now at age four you got a lot of mental development here. So if you got a four year old that eats the marshmallow, don't feel bad. And if a four year old didn't eat the marshmallow, don't get too excited. But it's an interesting concept, right? It's that simple. It's like hey, if I don't give you the marshmallow today, can you take two tomorrow? The people that can't understand that struggle financially. Interesting. So. Uh, and, and yeah, it, it, it happens in so many ways. So the person that says, 
I got to get the the big TV for the now. And I'll also tell you, if you're the person who says I'm gonna go to Costco and I'm gonna get the TV and I'm gonna watch the game and I'm gonna return the TV, okay, you're just a scammer. <laughs> I'm just telling you, like somewhere in there, if that's okay in your ethical ethos, I'm like, I feel like you're cheating. You're not even renting the TV. You're <laughs> pretending to rent it. Yeah, that that would be somebody who can't put themselves in the shoes of the person selling the television. Right. Who now gets back lesser goods, can't sell them again full price. It's just it's a lot yeah, like stealing. It is a lot like stealing. And the person that says it's not, I'm always like, eh, that's that's the issue here. It's, that's really not cool. You get a defective product that's different, but you know you're going to pull that stunt. I don't think that's cool. But not our listeners. No. We have the good people. That's the Yeah, I know. Everybody out here is just agreeing with us. All of our listeners are like, yeah, what they said. See, you're our tribe. We love you. <laughs> All right, so we've now kind of had the the discussion that um, you can buy the TV. The question is, should you? And now my, my question is, what are some signs that you are in a position in life where you can start to afford lifestyle upgrades? Okay, mm-hmm. so more than just the TV, but the lifestyle upgrades. So How instead do we of know? the 50-inch, the 75-inch. Maybe the 70 or maybe not just the TV, Maybe it's also the nacho bar. Ooh, and the right? surround sound. So I like where we're going. We, we're going to unpack some of this, but we got to take an obscene profit break first. So stick around. We'll be right back. This is Dave Littlejohn, Matt Dixon, and Derek Simmons. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEA. All right, gang. Welcome back to the True Wealth Radio Show, where I am excited to have. My usual in-studio joining me. Matt Dixon. But also, we occasionally get graced by his presence. Thank you. The ro- one and only Royal Derek Simmons. It's getting better every time, I know. Too. See, I can just give myself whatever titles it is I want. <laughs> I know. The Honorable Royal. Well, let's not get carried away. Lord. That's my, that's right? my favorite but, Except if he's... Lord is like a Scottish landowner, right? Does that work here? Like, if you're a landowner, do you get to become... He owns a rental like, in Scotland. Can I counts. be a laird? <laughs> that, yes. Laird. Lord. Um, you know, it'll be fun. I've got, yeah, one square foot in Scotland. That's what I'm going to buy. Yeah, keep I was, the ads. <laughs> somebody <laughs> was, so, so there's this, you know, companies like selling this, right? Like you can buy a star and name it. And I'm like, well, who has permission to catalog the stars and sell them? Right. And now they're like, you can buy this square foot of land in Scotland to be a Lord or wherever it is. And I'm like, you're finding out later. It's all made up. Like you don't yeah. really have ownership in anything. You Same just... as the bridge in Brooklyn. I can tell you for a good price. Ooh, yeah. I love it. I've got some fabulous beachfront in Arizona as well. Like we we get you hooked up. So, but if I had spare cash laying around, oh, here's the segue. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I learned this from the best. So here's the thing: if I had this cash laying around and I could use it to buy that square foot of of property in scotland and i'd done due diligence and i knew where it was and all sorts of good stuff yeah it's a really good looking square yeah, sure so if i've done all that then do i want to so my answer is i have started by eliminating making sure i can pay for the short-term needs mm-hmm. i've made sure that i could pay for my intermediate i've saved for contingencies mm-hmm. and now i want to make sure that i've planned for long term because mm-hmm. i am not always going to be able to or want to work right as hard as i do and if I do that, I'm going to retire. And I, again, as we discussed, I'm not counting on Social Security, so I need to save some money outside of that. Right. But again, it's not a it's not a I must. 
It's a do I want to. Mm -hmm. Because I could continue to be a Walmart greeter well into my 80s. That's true. And make some money and use that to pay my rent wherever I'm going to pay it. Or I could save more. Mm -hmm. So the question to you, Dave, is when do I get to that spot where I can go, yeah, Derek, go ahead and buy that square foot of property and become a lord. Or the big television. Right. So there's this spectrum here, and I'm going to try to answer the question. Honestly, That's like, crazy. Like, right? I'm like, let's not just like redirect it here. Let's try to actually answer the question. Uh, first of all, I it's it's in the context of not only the lifestyle you're designing for today, but the lifestyle you're trying to design for in the future. Okay. So to answer the big screen TV question, largely what I'm going to suggest is a healthy financial plan, which we talk about this on the radio a lot, but not with enough context. But a healthy plan would say, let's and let's say you're our example case, Derek. Okay. Okay. So I would say to you, okay, well, it appears that you're not spending more than you're earning. So right. good job. You have developed an adequate emergency or buffer fund so that you're not going to have a financial surprise that forces you to sell your long-term investments prematurely. Right. Okay. So we've done that properly. And I would say, given what kind of lifestyle you're looking to live in the future. We're going to have to make some assumptions about what that's going to cost. Okay. okay? And then we're going to take a look at what your investments are currently at and how they are projecting out and the likelihood that they're going to be able to meet the lifestyle demands that you're looking for. So we want to build in some potential growth, some growth assumptions. Yeah. We'll, some we'll, inflation we'll assume, assumptions. We're going to assume some of those moving parts that you're still saving that savings will be earning and that you're going to have some de- dropping value of your dollar, right? That, that, that inflation is going to eat away at your purchasing power. And we're going to have to account for all of those. And then we're going to have to consider the future tax obligations and so forth. And then we're going to say, okay, well, are you on track to afford to do these things? And after I've done all this and you'll tell me, yes, you can buy the television. So I would largely say <laughs> that if, if one wanted to be very prescriptive about it, yeah. That, that would be, I mean, more realistically, we would say, hey, how pliable are your goals? And you'd say, well, it's kind of a range. It's right. as long as it's about here. And how strict is your retirement date? And you say, well, it's not so much a date as will I get to a point that I have enough of what I'm looking for? Right. And, and then I would say, okay, well, so we got a little flexibility on the back end. And I'm also going to compare it to how much discretion you have right now. Right. Because- I'll tell you something that's going to throw a few of you off out there listening. I'm not the planner that says you need to save yourself broke. And there's a good reason for this, right? There's some people that are really, really, uh, they're, they're sort of hard grinders and hard liners on this. And they say, you need to save first. And then when you've got all of your savings dialed, then you can talk about these discretionary purchases. And then you watch like The Shining or something and you go, ooh, all work and no play makes Derek a dull boy. Uh, there's got to be a reason that you're on that treadmill or you can burn out. Right. So I think as long as you're developing like a reasonable contingency and you can afford it and it's not something where you just make this decision all the time, you need to be able to say every now and then, yes, I'm going to take a vacation. I like to think that at some point, uh, early investments double back and increase your, you, you know, your discretionary income mm-hmm. such that 
you can actually take your foot off the accelerator at some point yeah. sti- and still be going faster than you did all the way through your 30s. It's Yeah, that's so you know what? I'm not even going to steal it from you. I know you're on it. Why don't you just tell our listeners this? There's sort of this magic part investing that gets really exciting. You know, where, the miracle of compound. Yeah. Interest. Yeah. So yeah. What, are, what are we? I want to hear your I'll let you try to describe it first, because I'm pretty sure you're going to say this. And OK. I, yeah. So the, the idea is that if I put money away and it pays me back at some point, I've got more money coming in from the, the money that I've saved than the money that I'm earning. I mean, in theory, you'd have to do that for a long yeah. time. But either way, you've got extra discretionary income at some point, as long as you didn't spend it earlier. Right. And so here's another, this is really interesting and exciting point for investors. And early on, it looks like it's just a mirage on the horizon. And then one day it arrives and you go, huh, will you look at that? And it is the point at which your investment earns more interest than you save. So you take money out of your wallet and add it to the account, and that makes the account bigger. But the interest alone, the earnings or the growth, exceeds what you put in. And then it starts to keep doing that more and more and more as it grows. That is an aha moment for investors. And I will tell you, that's a really empowering point in your lifetime. And the earlier you start, the sooner you see it. When that starts to occur, it's really encouraging. Right? All of a sudden you want to save more because it's like kicking butt so much. But the crazy part is your savings requirement is declining at that point and you're you've actually accessed more flexibility in your discretionary spending because your investments are starting to build themselves right they've they've finally reached that threshold of compounding where you're like oh my gosh it's really happening and it's very cool what a very important mentor of mine told me one time and then the next thing that happens is when your investments produce more income than your job does and that uh-huh. is punch out time. Yeah, that is really so. And Derek and I, if you guys can tell, we've spent a lot of years together and talked shop for a long time. We've had we've shared some mentors, which is really cool. But uh, retirement to me has a different definition than many. Okay, because a lot of people retirement means like, hey, I'm going to exit the workforce. But you want to know what it means to me? I want to know. I Good. Want to know. You have to wait until after the last Ugh. break. I know. So stick around when we come back. First, my definition of retirement and just a couple more thoughts on how to position and, of course, financial terms. But we got to take the last break. Stick around. This is Dave Littlejohn. Matt Dixon. And Derek Simmons. And you got True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. All right, gang, welcome back to the home stretch of the True Wealth Radio Show. Don't forget, you can get caught up on the podcast. We've had a really fun show today with uh, Matt and Derek joining me. And we've got uh, the, the what I wanted to share with everybody at the break. Okay, But didn't. But didn't because we're super sneaky about teasing you so you don't run off to listen to another station. Is what? how do I define retirement as a financial pro? Okay. And uh, let me first... I've heard a lot of interesting definitions of retirement. Uh, one of them is I'm going to start collecting Social Security. Like that, to some people, that means retirement. That means I I, I'm going to get my Social Security. They call it retirement age, and then you reach that age, and there you are. Yep. Some people, it's just that's the age, right? 59 and a half, that's retirement. Uh, or 65, you know, because I can get on Medicare, whatever it may be, retirement. 
Then some people, it's just, well, I'm going to leave my job. That's retirement. But to me, I like this definition. Retirement is when your passive income sources are capable of replacing your earned income or your active income source, right? So you get to work because you want to instead of because you have to. That is freedom. Okay. So that's the financial freedom element. And that to me is what retirement looks like. Okay. It just means I now choose how my time is utilized. Now, this is an interesting one only because passive income lives on a spectrum. Okay. You work for somebody else as an employee, then your time is defined by the agreement for who you're working with. Okay. But when you own other assets, that's where it gets interesting. So we talk a little bit about the, the kinds of things that develop passive income, right? The common one you hear about from us financial guys is retirement plans, right? Build up a nest egg and have it produce dividend income or interest income. Okay. That's a very effective way to do it too. Compound interest works. It's tried and true. Employer retirement plans, pension plans, and so forth, all ways to develop a passive income portfolio. What are some other things that you could do? Well, there's rental property. Uh, that's a that's a really common one. So, yeah. In theory, I mean, to make it passive, you pretty much have to have a property manager, which cuts into your uh, the amount that you're making. But in theory, if you have a good property manager, you just sit there and collect the rent. Mm -hmm. And it appreciates. Right. So, yeah, very interesting to own an asset that pays for itself and stores value while simultaneously generates cash flow. Right. It, it, a rental property really is a business. OK, it's just a it's just a, a fairly simple and straightforward business, so much so that a lot of people think, oh, well, I own a rental. That's that's just part of my income source. And they don't think of it like they're running a small business of, you know, owning a thing that is bringing in revenue, has expenses and then pays out a net after expense return. But it is. It's a business. OK, you can also just own a business. Right. I mean, a if lot of people one do that. that. You don't work in, yeah, that, or don't work much in, then it feels more sure. like, like storage units. Income. Right. Yeah. Which storage units are yeah. another form of rental business, too. Yeah. That, so I'll just, we won't delve into this because we don't have time on today's show. But there, are, do you own a job or do you own a business? That's really an interesting one, right? A lot of people are entrepreneurs that own a job. They're the ones that have to produce everything, so they're highly involved in it because without their presence, it's not going to work. Are you looking at me, Dave? Mm, I, I yeah, am now. Well, anyway, yeah. <laughs> Versus owning a business where you really have an organization and systems and people that are, that are doing a, a job or a service or a production of something, and your moment-to-moment, day-to-day involvement isn't what makes the machine run. Right. It's guiding the machine. It's making key decisions. So it's not that you're completely disengaged from it, but you are not necessarily the one pulling all the levers and making the things move. OK, so that's business ownership. And then when you get into equity ownership, you know, like a stock, you you just own a piece of a company and you're totally passive. Right. You're along for the ride. Yeah. You're you're just there to get participatory increases in value or dividend distributions. Right. That's the that's the basic premise. That does there. sound like fun. It's certainly the easiest and lowest responsibility way. It's just typically the slower path unless you have some kind of inside ability to get it into something very, very early that has explosive growth. 
I'm thinking of like the Peter Thiels of the world that everybody got mad at. Remember this like like two years ago? He has this billion dollar Roth IRA because he had like PayPal stock at point oh nothing per share and then it shot up to the moon and he was a founder of PayPal and got it into his Roth IRA. Hmm. Yeah. Anyway, we digress. The the point still at the end of the day is very simple. Can you afford something? Well, does it fit into a healthy financial plan that's looking at the short intermediate and longer term obligations and will doing that thing somehow derail the outcome that you're looking for and if the answer is that it won't derail the outcome i think that 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 purchase can be blessed and i would suggest that in any healthy budget you should include some discretion and if that discretion is enough by all means enjoy the big screen tv and the chiefs (laughs) <laughs> the Chiefs and and the great debate over whether or not they can win with this ankle sprain or whatever, you know. So hey, Joe Burrow did it last year. He could do it again this year. In theory. Remember, <laughs> it still takes a team, right? It does. A- a- and the same reason that we work as a team in our office, right? You don't just have a single advisor you work with. You get the whole team because, you know, all-stars are really great until they sprain an ankle. <laughs> And then you got to figure That's out right. what the team's made of. That's so, true. There you go. Well, look, we got kind of my favorite part of the show left. And one of my favorites, because Derek, you're so good at this. You had some of the fun ones. But uh, we're, we've been collecting financial terms. Everybody knows about the financial terms. You've been listening for a few weeks now. It's pretty awesome. But um, anyway, this is the uh, we, have, we have a list of things, a few of them. And this is where we get financial terms that come from you, the listeners. You've either sent them, emailed them to us at info at littlejohnfs.com. You've seen us on social media and replied. Uh, and so the the trick, and it'll probably evolve. I think the game's going to change too. It might be real, it might be not. But whatever the case is, can we recognize fake terms? And if they are fake terms, we're going to give them definitions that seem real. Mm. <laughs> and we're building a list. We're publishing it on our, on our webpage, which again is going to go live here. I have it. I think it's going to be Friday. I think Friday it's going live. So mm. anyway, here's a couple. I'm going to let you guys try these. Um, so okay. Derek, consumer rice index. Consumer rice index. Yes. Okay. So this is, this is a, a, a measurement of inflation based entirely on the rice market. I like it. Yes, inflation based on the rice market. Like how many bowls of rice for a dollar? That is correct. It's gonna, like the Big Mac index. I'm going Perfect. a little different here. Okay. When CPI is so hot, when inflation is so hot, you can't afford anything other than rice. So the consumer rice index is a <laughs> is a is an outcome of a yep. hot CPI. Yeah, you're All so right. broke okay. you can only afford rice. Okay, let's try this one. Now these I'm gonna give you both to see if how they if they fit together. Glotation and blotation. Glotation, glotation, and blotation. I would say glotation. I'm taking this one. Go ahead. It's when the you know Jerome Powell is just glowing because inflation has slowed down so much, and it's right in that two to four percent range. He's glowing. Glotation. Okay. And blotation is when you used to get a package of French fries for a certain amount, 
but then later you just get the one fry. It's a big one, but it's a really bloaty. It's one big fry. <laughs> I love this. I would expect like bloatation is when you see um, a potato chip bag that's mostly air and no product. Oh, yeah. So I like yeah. that. And gloatation, I think, is right. It's any time the Fed takes credit for an economic outcome that it really didn't do. Mm-hmm. So I like those. All right, I've got one for you. I'm ready. Spatulization. Spatulization. Oh my gosh. Ooh, uh, it's a, a financial one. term. Spatulization. Um, that special. <laughs> okay. Spatulization is uh, what happens when restaurants, in particular breakfast restaurants, change their portion size or increase their price without changing the portion size. Ah, very good. So that's, that's spatulization. I, I have an alternate definition. Oh, I'm ready. This is what happens with a, as interest rates rise and fall, you flip from the bond market into the equities market. Oh, back and forth. great. Spatulization. That is fantastic. Spatulization is, the yes, the flipping between asset classes depending on ep- economic changes. I love that. Now, that one should be the primary definition. Yours is better. <laughs> that was pretty oh, good. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, all right. Did we miss any others for the day? I've got one more. Oh, there's more. All right. Well, we got just a few seconds. Hit me. Blobligation. Blobligation? Yes. Blobligation. A debt blobligation. Um, blobligation. You know what? The music's played. We're going to have to carry it over. Oh. Next time. All right. We are out of time. Look, Matt, how do they reach us real quick? Give us a ring. 541-375-089. How do you reach Derek? 541-677-7185 is Simmons Law. All right. Well, we're out of time for now. Until next time, thanks for tuning in. I'm David Littlejohn. Matt Dixon. And Derek Simmons. And you've been listening to True Wealth on News Radio 93.9 FM and 1240 KQEN. The preceding program was paid for by Little John Financial Services. The opinions and views expressed may not reflect those of Brook Communications, its affiliates, or its employees.